Today's scripture reading will be coming from Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 21. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, who he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, son of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that he, <clears throat> so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, "He is out of his mind." This is the word of God. This is uh, the the second time we're going to run through this passage. And last week I talked about um, this this idea that Jesus is perceived as as crazy (laughs) Uh, for picking these guys and doing what he's doing. Um, Today I I thought it was worth it to um, go about this passage one more time. There's actually, we probably could actually honestly do about three or four or five sermons out of this, but we'll just do one more. And I, I want to focus on this verse that he appointed these 12. And here's the part I think that's important. So that he might be with, so that they might be with him, this is verse 14, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Let's talk about that part. Um, usually when we read this, uh, this part, what's important is that everybody pays attention to and he picked these guys, and they're going to become the apostles, and they started the church, and isn't that cool? And that is cool, and it's really important. But I really want to um, talk about what does it mean that disciples, disciples actually get to um, cast out demons? Hmm. I want to talk about that. Um, you know, that's a, uh, I, I, you notice I, I'm, I'm, I'm not shying away from the hard, hard verses, <laughs> Um, these verses, Jesus is crazy. What's with that? Jesus, uh, Jesus told the, um, the demons to um, be quiet and not say who he is. Um, you know, I've decided let's, let's, let's uh, try to wrestle with those verses. And um, I want to give you a message on what does it mean that disciples, disciples called by name, um, actually go out into the world and we fight the demonic. Hmm. That's what I want to talk about. Part one, the kingdom breaking into the wilderness. The kingdom breaking into the wilderness. Part two, um, I said this last week, but I want to say it again. He knows you by name and your fellow disciples by name. He knows you by name and your fellow disciples by name. That's what will be part two. I'm going to close by talking about discipleship, true humanity, and the fountain of life. That's what I'm going to close out this message. 
discipleship, true humanity, and the fountain of life. All right. Um, so this message I've entitled, I actually kind of, I think I changed the title of this sermon. I don't usually do that, maybe like four times this week. And I've entitled the sermon, True Humanity Defeating the Devil. And um, it's strange. So there's this part, Jesus picks these guys. They're going to be with him. They're going to go out and preach. They're going to preach. And they're also going to cast, they're going to be able to cast out demons. Um, I want to, let's just stop for a moment here. Um, do all disciples do that? <laughs> do all, these guys are the apostles. So he, he called some to be disciples, and the other disciples, they get to be apostles. And then the apostles are going to do this. So you're like, well, I'm not an apostle. I, I think, I, I think I, I've heard I'm a disciple. So if you follow Jesus, you're a disciple, right? But do I? I don't preach. You're probably, you know, you're like, I don't preach. The, the pastors do that. Um, last time I checked, I haven't um, cast out any demons. I don't know if the pastors do that, all right? Um, I, I want to broaden this. I think in that verse that these disciples, so in one sense, right, we're not apostles. The apostles are the first preachers of the gospel, and they're going to lay down who is, and be really clear on who is Jesus and what he's done, and they're going to be the foundation of all that we believe. Without the apostles, we don't have the Bible. And the Bible is built on everything, that they, te- that they have understood about Jesus and then their teaching of, and their understanding of the Bible and his personhood and his work goes back to Jesus. But let me just broaden this out a little bit. What are disciples? What Jesus did here, some would say this is only for these special 12 men, but I don't think that's quite right. The Bible always has a kind of, this, the Bible is a very intricate book that can say something at one simple level, but then they, it has a kind of another level of communicating. And so when the Bible tells you that these are the disciples and this is what they do, it's, it's very easy for us to go, okay, those are disciples, but then they're apostles, and the apostles, they're only doing this, and I'm not going to do any of this. But I don't think that's true. Uh, that's one sense, apostles only do certain things. But on another level, all disciples are with Jesus. Do you follow Jesus? If you are a believer in Christ, there's no such thing as being a believer but not being a, a disciple. If you are a believer, you're a follower. So are you with him? I sure hope you're with him. Because if you're not with him, you're on your own. <laughs> that's, that's a big trouble, right? What do we call it? We, well, I don't preach. Well, let me just stop for a moment. What is preaching? Preaching, the fundamental activity of preaching is proclaiming. <laughs> it's communicating. That's the fundamental activity of preaching, right? Um, are all Christians supposed to be proclaiming who is Jesus? Of course. <laughs> we are all here to proclaim who is Jesus and what he has done for us, both with our words and with our lives. That is not the preacher's job. That is all disciples, right? So when you look at that, I would say, well, that's two out of three. All right, what about this third one? <laughs> The third one, cast out demons. So, are we supposed to do that too? Let me just ask you guys a question. Are you supposed to do that too? You know what my answer for you is? (laughs) The answer is yes. (laughs) Let's back up a bit. All right. Um, Let me ask uh, our, our brother to project a couple verses here. So if we go to the beginning of the book, the Gospel of Mark, This is the way the beginning starts. This is chapter 1, 
verse 3, right? Chapter 1, verse 3, um, this is what it says, right? Got it? There we go. All right, so this is what it says, and this is actually a description for John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's job is to proclaim and prepare the way for whom? For Jesus, right? And this is what it says. The voice of one crying where? In the wilderness. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, and what does he say? Prepare the way of the Lord and make his way straight. This is chapter 1, verse 3. If you drop down a, a, a little bit later, verse 12, this is what it says. Verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out. This is Jesus now. The him is Jesus. The Spirit drove Jesus out where? Into the wilderness. Into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness, how long? 40 days. Being tempted by Satan. <laughs> And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. The angels were ministering to him. So, um, I don't know how many of you remember, and you know, many of you, if you were in the youth, you, you, you didn't get to hear this message, but last year I preached this text um, as we went through the, this, this opening portion of the Gospel of Mark. And what I preached was, when it talks about there's a voice in the wilderness, John the Baptist, and then there's Jesus is going to go into the wilderness. It's a reference to the history of Israel. God chose a set of people. They were slaves and crushed down in the world by idols, by those who were powerful. And then God rescued them, and then he took them, well, this is interesting, into the wilderness. But the wilderness is a dangerous place. And, where, and while they wander in the wilderness, you know what they're looking for? They're looking for a promised land. A promised kingdom. And so when Jesus comes into the wilderness, you know what he's doing? He's coming to be with those who are looking for the promised land. Those who have been rescued. And you know what the, this, the picture of the wilderness is? It's life. <laughs> it's this world. And what's in the wilderness? There's a voice calling out in the wilderness. Jesus goes into the wilderness. What's in the wilderness? There's the devil... Every day you live, are you tempted by the devil? If you don't know that you are, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. Every day there are lies, there's messages coming at you all the time. Be like this, go after this, love this, cherish this. And almost always this message, it doesn't have anything to do with God or Jesus and eternity, sin, repentance. It doesn't have anything to do with those things, right? It's always about what you can get and how great it's for you. It's always about these things. And uh, occasionally you hear a voice, and it's usually a still, quiet voice, and it tells you, you need God. And every now and then, you don't hear any voice, you're just dying. And then you remember, maybe I need God. Do you know what that voice is? Anytime you remember or that little small voice, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the loud voice, including from you, this is, the devil speaks, I learned this when I was young, and I think this is absolutely true. The devil speaks from your voice. <laughs> you understand that? Your mind is working. <laughs> but have you ever noticed how you can't control your thoughts? 
Can you control your thoughts? Oh, I'm in control. That's, come on. Nobody's really in control of their thoughts. Every day you have all these weird thoughts. And you're like, where did that thought come from? I don't usually like any. But, you know, a lot of those thoughts are ugly. A lot of those thoughts are lies. Who do you think that is? You're like, well, that must just be me. It's partially you. But a lot of it is, yeah, it's the devil. <laughs> now, I, I know in this day and age, people don't like this idea of talking about the devil. right? Um, but this is God's word, and it tells you what reality is really like. And I know maybe a lot of our unbelieving secular friends are going to think, these guys are nuts. They're talking about the devil. But let me, let me just push back. All right, let me push back. If you don't know that you are dealing with the devil and the demonic, every day when you wake up, you are deluded. <laughs> You're deluded. You have completely drank the Kool-Aid of our time, and you have swallowed all the big, big lies of our time because you are a spiritual being. We are all spiritual beings. You know what that means? That we're not just molecules. We're not just molecules. I know you went to school, and school is smart, and they tell you, okay, well, the most important thing at school is science, but the science can only tell you what's in the natural world. You understand? Not the supernatural world. They can only tell you about molecules and molecules that just wear out and die out. And what is a human being? Well, we're, what we are is we're a very, very complex biological piece of machinery. That's what we are, right? Wrong. <laughs> Deep in your heart and your soul, you know that's just not true. You feel that that's not true. Every day you wake up, it's not true. If you actually think about the implications of that thing, we're like... You know, in other parts of the world, they just go, human beings are nothing. What we could just do is just, you know, these people, we could just kill them and get rid of them and use them and exploit them. Is that right? Deep down in our souls, everybody knows that's horrible. And where does that come from? Because if you're just biological machinery, that idea and feeling that it's horrible, well, why would you have that at all? Because biological machinery can't have that sense and feeling. It's because... You're a spiritual being. You're an eternal being. And you know what's happening inside your mind and your brain and your thoughts? You are dealing with spiritual realities, and you're dealing with them all the time. So let me give you another verse. Let's go to, um, so I'll give you another, one more verse. So we're looking at the Gospel of Mark, but let me give you another verse which is really important and relevant to today. This is Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. It goes like this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Hmm. Not just flesh and blood. So you're, you may be upset at your sister or your wife or your boss, whoever it is, or the person who cut you off while driving to work, okay? But there's more going on. <laughs> we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, yes, sometimes, sometimes our rulers, Against the authorities, sometimes, yes, because they're trying to impose upon us. Sometimes things are not right. But now gets this next part. Against the cosmic powers. Against the cosmic powers. Over this present darkness. That's another way of saying this present wilderness. <laughs> hmm? Against the spiritual force of evil in the heavenly places. So the, he the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places are here. 
because they're not really quite bound by time and space in the way we are. Um, so let's just stop for a moment here. Um, okay, pastor, wow, okay, do I have your attention? You know, is this interesting to you? I hope it's interesting to you. Um, let, let's just stop for a moment here. Um, where do you see, I don't see the demonic. <laughs> I don't see the demonic. You say there's demons and the devil's around. Well, one is like, okay, well, that's a kind of an interesting idea, lies, and you're right. I can't control the thoughts in my head. That's, that's, that is a really empirical piece of data, right? Uh, let me give you the more, um, the ones where I see it in lit that's more dramatic, okay? You ever see these movies where someone goes, rawr, rawr, <laughs> like they actually growl, and they're like a different voice, and like a seemingly a different personality comes out? By the way, that's real. <laughs> that's real, right? I have read many, I haven't personally experienced it, but um, I know pastors who do. You know, our other pastor, he has personally seen and experienced this. And as you guys all know, he's not a liar, right? And I know other pastors that I really, really respect. They have met people that have like demonic manifestations right out of the stuff, like the kind of stuff that you read in the Bible. It's like, and um, so that is real, right? And I've read, I've read accounts of these things that go back hundreds of years. You know, like guys have studied the demonic, like it's a missionary, in, like this, I read this American missionary in Korea, he wrote a whole book on the demonic. Because apparently when you went to Korea like 200 years ago, there was a lot of people, he was encountering this regularly. So he actually studied it and wrote a, re, it's, an, it's an unbelievably really, really careful book. And when you read the accounts, it's like the stuff that I heard about. Okay, so one, I'll just say it's real. But there's other ways. Um, you know where I, also, I see it? Things that I think are you know, kind of dramatic. How about, um, how about in cutting? I hear kids cut themselves left and right today. Um, another place I see it, and this one's a, you know, this might surprise you, anorexia, bulimia. When I talk to, it's usually a girl who suffers from anorexia, bulimia. They have this constant voice in their mind that tells them that they're fat and they're ugly. And the Bible tells you that the devil is a condemner, the condemner. When I hear that, I go, that's the devil. That is the devil. Um, not everybody who's depressed, but occasionally I've talked to people who are depressed, and then I ask them this question. Do you ever have thoughts like this? That you're nothing? That you shouldn't be alive? That the world would be better off if you're dead? Does that thought ever happen, come into your mind? And you know what they say? Not always, but often, you know what they say? Yeah, I get that a lot. You know what that is? That's the demonic. <laughs> that is the demonic. Those are some of the more dramatic ways. Now you're like, okay, I haven't been possessed. Okay, I'm not saying that a person who's depressed is possessed. They're not. But they're under attack. They're under attack. Um, I'm not saying a cutter is possessed. But yeah, there is demonic influence. Who, who, who wakes up in the morning and thinks it's a good idea to cut themselves? Right? That is from the pits of hell when that happens. 
and it's around all around our city. You don't think this is the wilderness? According to the Bible, in the wilderness, there is there's a, the wild animals and the most, and I said this last year, who's the most dangerous animal? Lions? Sharks? Of course not. The most dangerous animal is man. It's people. In the wilderness, you have people that are the most dangerous animals, and you got the devil. If there's no God, that's all we got. We got a wilderness where there are people, but they bite you like they're they're wild, and there's the devil. And if God, the Son of God, is going to come into this world, and he's going to proclaim a kingdom, how is he not supposed to fight this? Can the Son of God come and bring in his kingdom and not defeat the devil. Of course, yeah, he must defeat the devil. And if he's going to call disciples, follow me, you're of my kingdom, we're going to be like, yeah, all our neighbors, they're just you know, under demonic attack, but we'll just be nice people. <laughs> That's what Christianity is. <laughs> Christianity is religion, and religion is just good behavior. <laughs> And then with, with mytho- mythological delusions where we believe in some God thing and then we're going to be better people. Is that what we believe? That's what um, uh, you know, all our skeptical friends think that, that we believe. But if that's all we got, then we don't got squat. <laughs> because if you think Christianity is, I'm going to show up and get feel good on Sunday because I need some feel good religion and then it'll help me behave better. Now let me tell you, that is not a kingdom message. That is like, that is like, that's like saying, let's make the comfortable biological machinery more comfortable. (laughs) Is religion just a way to make the biological machinery comfortable? Or take spiritual beings, fight a glorious cosmic battle, and to defeat the demonic? If we are followers of Jesus, we follow him to fight the devil and the demonic. Now, I want to take you to um, a quote, all right? Um, so, a man wiser than me, and so, um, really good Bible reader. This is uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, keeps giving and giving. Mere Christianity. You notice I keep, I keep uh, quoting from Mere Christianity? That means you probably should read it. It's a book that just gives and gives, all right? Um, and I want to I say this comment before uh, and I, I go into this quote. A lot of us think the devil... You know, the devil loves dealing with us in ways that everybody considers completely normal. I don't, like, my head turns and, like, my voice changes, and so I'm not possessed, right? And so we don't have to think about the devil. Really? You know, the the devil, the, the, the way and the demonic, the way they like to deal with things, they don't have to possess you. Why do you have to possess you? Why does he have to possess you when he could just lie to you and then we just believe in these lies and then now we're enslaved by the lies for all of life? <laughs> Why does he have to possess you? <laughs> it's like, that's, 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 that's annoying. <laughs> Why do we have to possess you when he could just own you through the lies? <laughs> and I want to talk about the, the most profound lie, right? Here it goes. All right, so this is um, C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. What Satan put into the heads of our remote ancestors, that's what he's talking about, Adam and Eve, right? Was the idea that they could be like gods. 
Now this is, um, this is C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is standing on the shoulders of a guy named Augustine. He's the first person to ever read the Bible this way. Augustine, one of the, or at least one of the most articulate persons to read the Bible. He's probably not the first one to read the Bible this way, but really the one who could really taught it well. So this is C.S. Lewis channeling Augustine, one of the most brilliant, greatest Bible readers of ever of all time, right? That's how he puts it. Was the idea that they could be like gods, could set up on their own as if they had created themselves. Isn't that what you always want to do? You always want to make who you are. You think you could define who you are. That's creating yourself. Be their own masters. Invent some sort of happiness for themselves outside of God, apart from God. And out of that hopeless attempt has come nearly all that we call human history. Everything that we call the wilderness. That's what the Bible calls the wilderness. Here's what's in the wilderness. Money, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empire, slavery. The Bible calls that the wilderness. The long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God to make him happy. There's a, I want to give you the whole quote, but just for time's sake, I want to jump forward. He goes on this. That is why it is no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about faith. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. <laughs> there is no such thing. Every day, do you notice you wake up and you wake up and you're like, I need happiness. Okay, I need God. Is that what you think? <laughs> you wake up in the morning like, oh, I, I want to be happy today. Let's go do my quiet time. Who does that? Anyone raise, there? raise your hand. All right, yeah, right, right. Like, I'm the pastor. You know, if I do that, no, I don't do that. <laughs> you know what I do? I wake up in the morning and I go like, where's my phone? <laughs> I grab my phone. I, I want something that's going to make me feel a little better. ESPN, NFL. <laughs> that is one of the most common websites I go to. You know that? <laughs> ESPN NFL. Now that the Super Bowl's over, it's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. ESPN NFL is now totally boring. So now I go, ESPN NBA. <laughs> ESPN NBA is now the site of choice because ESPN NBA will give me a happiness apart from God. Where did I get this idea? This idea is so deep in me that I'm the preacher, <laughs> I'm the professional Christian that leads the church, and I'm supposed to love holiness. But when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, drink of water, I, always, I have to have a drink of water in the morning. Drink of water, grab my phone. It's right next to my bed, by the way. You know, not, you don't do that. That's, that's a stupid idea, but I do it, okay? Don't, I know it's stupid. And then I do this. Happiness, apart from God. <laughs> then, happiness apart from God, food. Happiness apart from God, radio. <laughs> happiness apart from God, faster work. Happiness apart from God, oh, that woman at work is pretty. And just stare at her for like about 30 seconds. Hopefully she's wearing something more revealing. All right, happiness apart from God. Stick the middle finger up to that person who cut me off 
and we just know these people, they're the worst drivers in our city, right? Happiness apart from God, racism, anger, self-righteousness. We actually like these things. <laughs> we actually like these things. It's the world the devil made. It's the world the devil made. And we need a fight. And we need a king. We need a new liberation. And the call is this king came to offer a better world, a better kingdom, and a better way. And then he calls you. So let me just stop. I'm going to say this poem, and then let's go to part two. What is discipleship? What is discipleship? Is discipleship being better at going to church? Is discipleship getting really good at religion? Discipleship is becoming a human being made in the image of God that we could crush and get rid of the devil and make a better world. <laughs> That's discipleship. The better world, the Bible calls it the kingdom of God. <laughs> Let's go to part two. Then he called these guys... And I'm gonna, I said this last week. When God calls you, um, he knows you. So um, when I call out people, hey, please, somebody come up and do this. And, you know, in, in congregation, we're going to, like, ask certain, we're going to have a call to do certain things. I'm just going to make a general call. That isn't how God calls. Huh. He does make a general call. But when he calls for discipleship, when he asks you to follow him, I said this last week, but it's so important, I want to say it again. He knows you. He called them, and then 12 guys showed up, and then they went out and started defeating death. That's not what this passage says. That's not what this passage says. There was a guy named Simon, and Jesus changed his name. And then there was a different Simon, who had a really radical politics, Simon the Zealot. There is a, there is a, the sons of Boanerges, or Boanerges, or however the heck you pronounce that name. Jesus goes, I'll call you the sons of thunder. Good nickname. Good nickname. Philip, Thaddeus. That, that doesn't seem to be a popular name anymore. Right? And you know what? When they had to go and then be and proclaim the kingdom, you know what they're going to do it? They're going to do it together. This is the part I want to emphasize. Last week I said he calls you by name. He knows you. Now today I want you to think about this passage, this part. He knows the names of the other people he's called you with. <laughs> and this is how God does it. It's teamwork. You know what this team is called? It's called church. <laughs> it's called church. That's where the disciples gather. Church isn't a place of religion. It's where the disciples gather. They're called by name. They know each other. Sometimes they don't like each other. If you don't like somebody at church and they're your fellow disciple, you know what Jesus says? Who cares? That's <laughs> what he says. He goes, who cares? You know what I know? I told you. There's this guy named Matthew. He worked for the government, Roman government. Right? There's a guy named Simon the Zealot. He believes in tearing down the government. <laughs> so we got 
we got like, I don't know, I'd support the government, Matthew. (laughs) So like he'd be, I don't know, I don't know what he'd be. I guess he'd be like, I don't know, he'd be like the Republican. (laughs) And then there's like, we tear down the government. He'd be like, you know, the far left wing of the Democratic Party. I mean, that's not even a good analogy. It's even worse than that because they're like, there's nothing like a zealot today because zealots are like, they're like, they, you know, they plant bombs, okay? They're terrorists. So, you know, Simon the Zealot, called by Jesus by name, shows up to church, which is the disciples gathering, and he's like, be with me. Being with you means I got to be with him. Simon the Zealot, you know what he wants to do? He wants to kill that guy. He's in this room, he's like saying, you work for the government. I hate the government. The government's evil. The government's against God. It is my calling from God to kill you. That's what he thinks. You know Jesus is saying? No, you're working with him. <laughs> you're his brother. We're gonna, you're going to proclaim Christ with me. You're going to proclaim this kingdom. You're going to fight the demonic with him. Can you just imagine? Him? You know he sent them out two by twos? Oh, I I just bet you. (laughs) Oh, I bet you. You can just think Jesus is going to do this. Simon. No, not that one. Not Peter. You you, you with him. The zealot. You know, the one that we all call the zealot. You and your your, your ridiculous, you know, political philosophy. You with him. (laughs) Go out and preach. (laughs) Go out and serve. Go out and love. Why don't you start by loving each other? That's church. Let's just stop for a moment. Why does it have to be like that? Because if you're going to fight the devil and you're going to cast out demons, the first one you got to cast out is the one in you. The first one you have to fight is the devil in you. And you're one of the, one of the first places that where the devil loves to attack the disciples and this mission and the kingdom by getting into the disciples and saying, so you love that message last week last when I told you God loves and knows you by name. You you, you liked that part, didn't you? But you don't like this part. He knows the other people by name too, the ones you don't like. (laughs) They're disciples too. And Jesus He's not confused. He puts you together. <laughs> he puts you together on the same team. He puts you together with a guy you don't like, <laughs> the guy you hate, and says, now let's go fight the demons. All right? How are we going to fight the demons? With love, forgiveness, truth. You know your inner wild animal? What you want to do is like, I'm going to bite this person. (laughs) So, because this is how we are. When you're in the wilderness, we're like, I'm a human being. But one day you wake up and you act like an animal. The next day you wake up, you act like the devil. That's how we act. Occasionally we pretend to be better than that. You know, so then, you know, we all put on that fake, nice, good part on the outside. But on the inside, it's animal and devil all the time. 
Am I telling you a lie? Isn't that real? And so, how are we going to go do this? Got to fight. We got to knock down the animal way of being human. And we got to knock down the devil way of being human. And then you look at this person that you think you're supposed to hate and say, but Jesus had every right to hate me. But he didn't. And he cleared out the wilderness in me so the kingdom can arise in my heart. And so you take this person inside your church. You know them by name. They know you by name. They know this is the name at church that you hate the most. (laughs) And Jesus goes, kick out the devil in this relationship, please. Let me go to part three. Um, I'm going to say this thing, and then I'm going to give you the C.S. Lewis quote, and then let's go to the close of the message, right? I said this a a year ago. There's only three ways of being human. Hmm. Animal, that's the secular way. Complex biological machinery. A mouse is a complex biological machinery. A virus is a complex biological machinery. I guess we're not this any different. That's the secular way. Let me tell you something. The devil loves that teaching. <laughs> and the devil loves it that all these people think we're just very, very complex animals. He just loves it. It's a lot easier to control animals. It's very easy to control animals. The second way you could be an animal, or you could be a devil. <laughs> there are people in our city, they're like devils. Some of them are mean and horrific. And if we're lucky, we'll get to lock them up. <laughs> right? Others are nice, but they just spew lies all the time. <laughs> and they use you. Will you be like them? But there's a third way. Hmm. There's a third way. And that is to be most human. True humanity. Like God. So that's how the, the, the beginning of the book starts this way. And God made them male and female. In his image, he made them. They were different than all the other creatures. To image and be Divine. To image and be divine. But the spiritual being we like to go to is the devil. That's the one we like to go to. Or to ourself. And then we tell ourselves, I don't need anybody. And the devil goes, that's awesome. Keep thinking that. (laughs) Keep going to your phone. That's awesome. All right, another place in mere Christianity. This is a great quote. So he says it better than me, so I'm going to let him say it, right? Here's C.S. Lewis. That's what it says. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. That's, That's logical, isn't it? If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, 
you must get close to or even get into the thing that has them. Isn't that so logical? <laughs> right? Isn't there any tricks here? Some kind of like religious mumbo jumbo? That is just pure, logical, super sensible thinking. Right? They are not the sort of prize which God could, if he chose, hand out to anyone. Don't you ask that? Lord, just hand out eternal life. <laughs> just give me joy, like, like it's a piece of candy. <laughs> Let me just give it to you. Eat it. Here's joy. It's like a Snickers bar. Eat it. No, it doesn't work like that. They are a great, these things, joy, power, peace, eternal life. They are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will get you, will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. Once a man is united to God, how could he not live forever? Once a man is separated from God, what can he do but wither and die? Isn't that so good? So logical. You know what the demonic is doing every day? They don't have to possess you. We don't need to possess these people. We'll just convince them all the time that they can get happiness apart from God. And apparently they love believing that because we have put this lie so deep into their heart that they love going to that all the time. So it's awesome. Let's just control them. But if you want to get wet, wet with joy, peace, eternal life, purpose, hope, you have to get into the reality and get wet the fountain of life. And once that happens, you know what's going to happen? You'll become more human. You're choosing the truly human way. The Bible calls this union with Christ. So now let me give you the gospel and we'll close. The Son of God became a human being because human beings only knew how to be animals and devils. They only knew how to kill each other and die in the wilderness. So the Son of God came into the wilderness so that we could get wet <laughs> with his life. So then he said, give me all your animal, devil, wickedness. And he put it on himself. And then he died the death we deserve to die. And then he conquered it with his life, with his eternal life, with his joy and his righteousness. He said, now come be united to me by faith. If you unite yourself to me, I'll get you wet. You'll become really human. And you too will be able to crush the devil and live like me. That's the gospel. Brothers and sisters, be a disciple. Don't pick up your phones all the time. Don't you pray more? Be close to the wetness. <laughs> Run into the fountain. Become fully human. And then tell the devil to get lost. Let's pray. When we are with 
the one that is brimming with life? How can death not but flee? When our hearts and minds are filled with truth, how can lies stay? Father, I pray that for all my fellow disciples, they would fight the devil every day. They would tell the demons to get lost, and they would throw out the lies. They would sit in the truth. They would get close to the fountain of life. They would be united to the fountain of life, Jesus. I pray that they would look at the other disciples, the ones they don't like, and they might say, maybe I should fight the devil in me. I pray that they would walk out into the world and all demons and devils would flee because they're with you. I pray that when we go out into this city, people say, these people, how come they're so joyful? How come they're filled with grace? I wronged this person, but they forgave me. They were angry at me, but very briefly. And then it was crazy. I cussed them out, but then they asked me to forgive them. That that makes no sense. Once they taste this, once they feel this, they would be with people who are with Jesus. Followers, disciples, sons and daughters of God like the very Son of God. More human than they've ever seen. Our city was filled with people, Lord. All they know is animal and devil. But they meet real human beings. Glorious and beautiful, eternally sons and daughters of God. Like the very Son of God. Around us, the devils must flee. Around us is joy and peace and gladness and laughter. Make Revive Church this way. <laughs> Make us this way. In Jesus' name, amen.